listening to a recent sermon from a Covenant Church worship experience. For more information, you can find us online at covenantchurch.us. In order for there to be life, there must be death. However, the death cannot be yours. It must be a life willingly given in your place. This message is from our series, Not I, But Christ, where we are learning that this life is not about us. It's about Christ. And now, here is our lead pastor, Pastor Travis Davenport. So a few months ago, it was uh, my lunch break at work, and I was rather hungry. So I did what I do a lot of days. I hopped into my car, checked my pockets to see how much loose change I had, looked around, ruffled through this, rummaged through the seats a bit, and I found that I had enough to eat at Wendy's. This is a good day because I enjoy Wendy's. They have good food, right? Wendy's has some good stuff. Um, and so I drove to Wendy's. It wasn't very far from where I was. It was the, it was the perfect thing. Uh, and now when I pulled up into Wendy's, it was almost exactly 12 o'clock, and I was really kind of startled because there's nobody in the parking lot. There's nobody there. There's nobody even inside. I could care less. That means I get food faster. So I pulled up to the little ordering kiosk. You know what I'm talking about. And have you ever gone up to one of those, pulled around, and rolled down your window, stuck your head out, and then said, hello, hello? Hello? Is anybody there? And then you just listen for a long amount of time. You ever been there before? That's what I did for, for about 10 minutes. And I even like placed my order and nobody said anything back. So I just drove up to the window. Now driving up to the window, I was uh, graciously greeted by a young man in a Wendy's outfit. He opened up the, the window and he said, oh, I'm sorry, sir. Um, we can't get you any food today. And I said, what? Why? And he said, well, we're closed. I said, you're closed? It's lunchtime. And he goes, no, we're not just closed today. We're closed for, for a while. I said, why? What happened? He goes, no, 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 nothing really happened. It's what's about to happen. I said, what's about to happen? <laughs> and he said, we're about to get a brand new Wendy's. And I said, really? And he said, yeah, everything is going to be brand new. And I said, now, what does that mean? I'm having a conversation with this guy. He's sticking his head out the window. I'm sticking my head out my window. And he says, it means that everything is going to be made brand new. Everything. He goes, we're tearing down all the walls, moving out all the equipment. We're getting rid of all the old chairs. Everything's new. They're going to come in here, do brand new construction, brand new walls, brand new equipment. They're going to put flat screens up on the TV. They're even going to put in a fireplace. A fireplace, I said. A fireplace, he said. Excited. Then he looked at me, he said, but that's not it. There's going to be brand new food. I said, brand new food? Because, you know, I, I like the classic Frosty. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There's nothing wrong. There's no like, like, don't hate on that. Frosties are good. Amen. I mean, Frosties are like really good. You can put it in a cup or a cone. It's the same thing. It's good. So anyway, I said, well, you're going to have brand new, brand new food. We're not just going to have fries. We're going to have Wendy's hand cut fries. Ooh, hand cut fries, hand cut fries. We're also gonna have a brand new Frosty. Brand new, brand new. We're also gonna have brand new coffee. Brand new cup, brand new coffee. Wow, when does this happen? Can I get this tomorrow? No, he said. It's gonna take a lot longer to build a Wendy's than just tomorrow. And I said, okay. He said, it's gonna take a couple months. And I said, well, I'll be back in a couple months. He said, I'll see you then. I said, yes, you will. And I drove off and I went to McDonald's. Anyway, a couple months went by. 
And I had a little rumbling in my tummy and it was uh, lunchtime again. And, and so I drove down the road and lo and behold, what did I see? A new sign and a new Wendy's. And on the sign, it said, come in and experience our brand new Wendy's. And I said, don't mind if I do. I pulled in. This time the parking lot had cars everywhere, people streaming out the doors, in and out. I said, this place is happening. This is it. Wendy's is taking off brand new. I couldn't wait. I walked inside to this brand new experience, new doors, met by a new person, opened the door, said, hello, sir, how are you this afternoon? I said, I'm great, Wendy, thank you. And I walked in, <laughs> walked up to the counter. I looked around and as I looked, while I was walking, I saw there's the fireplace. I chuckled to myself about the conversation I had had with the, with the man who was trying to take my order before about the fireplace. There it was. Here's the flat screen TVs, flat screen TVs playing commercials of the succulent Wendy's food 24 seven. Over in the corner, there's two, not just one, two full size Coke machines. Now I can choose and mix and match what kind of flavors I want dumped into my soda. Do I want vanilla? Yes. Do I want peach? Yes. Do I want kiwi? Of course. Put it all in. It's great. Walk up to the counter. I'm greeted by, by a woman in a brand new Wendy's outfit. She says, good afternoon, sir. Could I take your order at our brand new Wendy's? I said, yes, yes, you may. I've been waiting for months. And she just looked at me kind of strange. But anyway, I said, you know, I looked at the menu and I thought, well, I could go with something. I'm going to go with the classics because I want to see how different they are. So I said, I'll take your brand new Frosty or brand new. Fr yes, your brand new Frosty. And I'll take your fries, our hand cut fries. Yes, your, your brand new hand cut fries. And then I'll take a cup of coffee. Oh, sir, that's called redhead coffee. Perfect, perfect, give it to me. She gave me my ticket, I stood in the corner and now I was not just a number. They didn't say number 13, they called my name, brand new. Travis Davenport, your food awaits you. I walked up, picked up my tray and walked over and I sat down. I dug into my bag, I pulled them all out. They all looked brand new, fresh and shiny and clean and beautiful. I popped the top off the frosty and the coffee, pulled out the ketchup, getting ready for my fries. I picked up one of my brand new fries, dunked it into the ketchup, stuck it into my mouth and something strange happened. So I put it back in, I grabbed my frosty, took a large spoonful, tasted it, the same thing again. Leaned over to my coffee, grabbed it and took a drink. And I put it back down. None of it was brand new. <laughs> they were the same fries that I had months earlier. It was the same Frosty that I had eaten. Now, as delicious as it was, I was told it was going to be brand new. Not new. Same. Same old, same old. And the coffee, as beautiful as coffee is and as beautiful as the, the red cup it was sitting in was, it was the same coffee. This wasn't brand new. This was just rebranded. Now, this isn't anything new, to be honest with you, because companies rebrand themselves all the time. Every couple years ago, the, every couple years will go by and they'll update their logo. They'll, they'll update their fonts, um, maybe their slogan. Uh, in fact, check out the evolution of Pepsi. You can see where they started and this isn't where they ended up. Obviously, that just takes us to basically where Michael Jackson got his hair caught on fire, that era. <laughs> Pepsi can, but, but there's, you know, if you really want to see, uh, if you really, really, truly want to see like an evolution in rebranding, there's nothing, uh, there's no one who does it better than McDonald's and thankfully they're not where they used to be. They've come a long way. Check out their original branding for Ronald McDonald. I apologize for the nightmares you are going to have tonight. That's not a joke. That was the original branding 
for Ronald McDonald, and now he's been rebranded. Now, what does this have to do with anything? Well, it actually has everything to do with what we're talking about this morning. And if you're taking notes, this is the first thing I would write down. Because when we come to Christ, when we meet Jesus, we are not rebranded. We are made brand new. Amen? We are not rebranded. We are made brand new. Jesus is not wanting to make a better, more cleaned up version of you. Jesus is not interested in the packaging or, or the marketing. Jesus is not interested in fixing you up and putting a bow on your head and calling you new or fixed rather. Jesus has come to make us brand new. Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul says this. He says it this way, that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, everything. Behold, the new has come. Let me read that again. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. Now, uh, I've used this verse before. Obviously, we reference it a lot. And this word new creation is a, is a throwback to the book of Genesis. And this word found in both creation, new creation, is this word ex nihilo. Turn to your neighbor and say ex nihilo. This word actually means out of nothing or from nothing. So the understanding here is that God created everything out of nothing. When we come to Jesus, we were not and now we are. You understand that? It's not an evolution. It's not a, it's not a moral evolution. You're not getting better. You're not getting better. You're being made brand new. And we all celebrate that fact. We know that. That's, that's nothing new. That's not shocking to us this morning. But what you may or may not understand is that this newness, this ex nihilo, comes at a price. And just like everything else in the kingdom of God, it comes with a price. And following Jesus comes with a price. Amen? Eternal life comes with a price. Your freedom comes with a price. Now, maybe you might say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got this. I know this. I've been raised in church or whatever. I, I can fill in this blank. The price was Jesus' blood. That was the price that was paid, that had to be paid. Jesus died. He was buried. And he rose again. That was the price. And, and you're correct in one regard. You definitely are. The price for your freedom was Jesus' blood. But in your quick retort, in your quick answer to, to this question or to this thought, you may be, you could possibly be missing what we're talking about today. You could possibly be missing um, out on what Scripture in Romans 6 has to teach us today about the price you must pay and the decision you must choose to, be, to become brand new and not just rebranded. And, and before we read this very challenging and defining text from Romans 6, I want you to hear me. I want to say something, and I really want you to listen to this because um, this is a challenging yet defining text and scripture for us, but it's also more than just a shift in mentality, okay? Today, this, this shouldn't be a shift in mentality. This isn't just words, okay? We're not just shifting mentality, we're shifting um, our reality. And I'm not using those words because they rhyme. It's just true. It's more than a shift in mentality. It's a shift in reality. This should be a shift in your Christian worldview. Let's look at Romans chapter 1, verse 1. This is Paul writing to the church. He says this, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Pause. This word servant, say servant. Servant. 
We know this word. When you think of a servant, you think of uh, going somewhere to eat probably, somebody walking out with a tray, opening it up, and having a nice warm ham or something on that tray for you, right? And that's a servant. That's not what Scripture's talking about. In fact, this word in the Greek, servant, is the word doulos. Doulos is the word for slave. So Paul is saying that he is a slave. Let's read it that way. Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. All right, so now that we have that, set the tone. Let's jump into Romans 6. Romans 6, chapter, chapter 6, verse 15, we see this. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you are present, that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who are once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, that's where we should say amen, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. He continues on and says this. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to make a statement this morning that may sound shocking, that may hit you in the chest, that may dig at you a little bit, but I believe that it is a clear and biblically sound statement. Here it is. You are never more free than when you surrender your rights and enter into slavery for Jesus Christ. Now that seems a little strange. So let me just say it a little bit differently. Jesus purchased your freedom with his blood so that you could choose a life of slavery to him. In fact, I would say this, being a slave of Christ may be, it may actually be the best way to define a Christian. It may be. Now, um, we as believers, we're, we're called to be slaves to Christ. But you would never suspect that in our culture today, would you? You would never suspect that in our, in our, in our Christian, modern Christian language. There's no slave language. It's all about your freedom. It's all about your liberation. It's all about finding your own fulfillment, fulfilling your own dream, finding your own purpose. I mean, am I off track here? We often hear that God wants to fulfill our every ambition. God wants to fulfill our every desire, our every hope, our every dream. And listen, don't miss this now. God cares about your dreams. He does. God cares about your hopes and your aspirations and your passion and your purpose. He loves you. Scripture tells us that while we were still in our mother's womb, he, he knit us together. He put those dreams and passions and desires there. He cares about them. He does very much. But all I'm saying is this. Like, our fulfillment and satisfaction is not what drives God. 
me just say that again. Our satisfaction and fulfillment is not what drives God. Do you know what drives God? God drives God. God drives God. And he doesn't need any of your help to be God. He will be God whether or not you treat him as such. Because God is not dependent on you. God is dependent on himself. God is not dependent on you to hold all of creation together. God is not dependent on you to make sure that he feels happy and good and satisfied and, and okay. That's not God. God drives God. God drives God. And he's going to be God regardless of who you are or what you do. Regardless of your hopes, your ambitions, or your dreams. Listen to me this morning, church. It's not about you. It's about Christ. It's not about us. It's about God. Not I, but Christ. And, and through years of, let me be just straight up honest with you. Through years of poor theology and slippery slope teaching, something has happened in our churches. Something has happened in our culture. We have inadvertently inverted Christianity. We've inverted it. We've made God our slave. We try to, at least. We treat it like such. We are the masters, and God is our slave. Now, what Scripture is teaching us today is not a popular message, <laughs> to be sure. There's something inside of us that kicks against this notion that we would be a slave to anybody. But it is a biblical principle and teaching, and it's there for our protection because if we make God our slave, then he exists for us. You see that? If we make God our slave, he exists for us. If we make God our slave, then my happiness is his highest desire. With God as our slave, my comfort is his highest desire. With God as my slave, I can live however I want, do whatever I want, and God has to love me and has to accept me. With God as my slave, I have every right to get mad when my happiness is not fulfilled because you know what? I deserve it. God is my slave. That's not what scripture teaches, church. That's not what Paul is telling us. We are slaves to Jesus. We are slaves to Christ, amen? And when, Jesus, when we are slaves to Jesus, guess what shifts? I don't exist for myself, and he doesn't exist for me, but rather I exist for him. When I'm a slave to Christ, I exist for Jesus. When I'm a slave to Christ, I exist for his glory. In fact, his glory is my highest desire. And I know that he can do whatever he wants to do because he's God. He doesn't need my approval. He doesn't mean, need me to say, okay, all right, you can do that. God is God. God drives God. He's going to be God whether I treat him as such or not. When I'm a slave to Christ, I know that he can do whatever he wants. And even when I'm not fulfilled to the truest extent, not to be angry. I know that God's just working it out. He loves me. He cares about me. But I can trust him. Even when I don't feel happy, I can still trust him. I can still know him. And I would also say this. I would also have the understanding at that point to know that I do not deserve to be saved. When, when God is a slave to me, I deserve everything that's coming to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What do you mean I deserve? I deserve salvation. Look how good I am. Look how horrible those people are. Now, you know what? 
When I'm a slave to Christ, I realize that there is nothing that I could ever do, even on my greatest of days, to earn salvation. And so you know how that leaves me? It leaves me thankful. It leaves me broken. It leaves me resting in God's lavish grace, which he pours out on me. If God is my slave, then I deserve it. And I deserve more. Now, we don't like to think of ourselves as slaves to anyone or anything, obviously. But the truth is, it's not a question of, are you going to be a slave? It's just a question of whose slave are you going to be? Sin slave or the Savior's? And you know, the funny thing about this is that before you come to Christ, you are in incredible bondage. You just think you're in freedom. You ever have a conversation like that with somebody? We're like, man, I'd love for you to come to church. Oh, no, man. I'd love for you to meet Jesus. No, man, you know, I don't want to do that. Why? I don't want to have to give up all my freedoms. What freedom? Well, to do whatever I want. You know what that is? That's false freedom. There's a price to that. Scripture tells us that the price is death. The wages of sin is death. There is a wage. There is a cost to that sin. That's not freedom. That is not freedom at all. Here's the big idea. If you're writing anything down, write this down. Maybe this will help because sometimes we feel like, or maybe you hear this, this talk today or that read the scripture. Like, it doesn't sound like freedom then. I'm going to be a slave to Christ. Here's it, here it is. Listen. Jesus laid down his life for you so that you could have the freedom. There it is. So that you could have the freedom to willingly lay down your life for him. You want to preach freedom? You want to talk freedom? You are never more free than when you lay down your rights and surrender your rights and become a slave to Jesus. Jesus laid down his life for you so that you could have the freedom to willingly lay down your life for him. And, and now listen, I want to balance this out this morning because of course scripture does tell us that we're a friend of God. We're a friend of God. John chapter one verse 12 says that when we accept Christ, we are sons of God and daughters of God, that we're co-heirs with Jesus Christ. So I understand that. I'm just also saying that Scripture equally says that we're slaves to Jesus. And you cannot pick and choose which portions of Scripture you like and which ones you don't and just ignore those, Thomas Jefferson. You can't do that. You know what I'm talking about, right, Thomas Jefferson Bible? Crazy. Now, I believe that a lot of it was done out of great intentions to help shape a good moral society, but the dude made his own Bible. He cut and pasted pieces of the Bible that he liked over pieces of the Bible that he didn't like. It's called the Thomas Jefferson Bible. Well, I like John 3.16, but I don't like Romans 6. How about I just put John 3.16 over Romans chapter 6? You can't do that. If you mess with the Bible and pull out pieces you don't like, you're not left with the Bible. A couple months ago, I walked downstairs for breakfast, and uh, that's always crazy in my house. And um, my son, Noah, was sitting down at the table, and he had Lucky Charms out, and he was sitting there and had a whole bowl. And as I walked over closer, I could see that he had removed all the cereal from his bowl and only filled up the bowl with marshmallows. And I said... No, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just having a bowl of cereal. I said, no, you're not. You're having a bowl of marshmallows. No, it's cereal, Dad. No, that's not cereal. If you take out the cereal and leave the marshmallows, you are having a bowl of marshmallows with milk. That's not cereal anymore, son. And he said, oh, okay. And then we both sat down and ate a bowl of marshmallows. It was a teachable moment that I lost. But anyway, 
If you take out what makes it it, it is no longer it any longer. You cannot pick and choose which portions of Scripture you're going to live by and which portions of Scripture you're going to ignore. The Bible does not work that way. The walk with Christ does not work with that, that way. Christianity does not function that way. We surrender all of our rights. We become slaves to Jesus. He is our master. Our, our lives are shaped by his will. And you're either on that or you're not. You're either with that or you're not. There is no half way. We need a better understanding of what it means to call Jesus our Lord. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus has this conversation with a bunch of would-be Christians, a bunch of would-be religious people, a bunch of people that say, I've got a personal, quote, relationship with Jesus. He just says, oh, you got a personal relationship with me? Okay. Why do you call me Lord, but you don't obey me? That's what Jesus says to his friends. You call me Lord, but you don't obey me? You call me master, but you don't obey me? I would ask the same question today. Why do we call Jesus Lord if we do not obey him? Church, why do you call Jesus master if you don't obey him? Why do we wrestle with the same sin year in and year out? Why? Why is it? I mean, we all sin. And coming to Christ, we understand that it's not that we're not going to sin any longer, but Romans chapter eight tells us that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave now lives in us. You now have within you the power to overcome sin. So it's not that you don't sin. You do. You will. I do. I will. It's the reality that you are now free from the bondage and slavery of sin. See, Christianity and the Christian walk, yes, there are struggles, but it's not defined by the struggle. That's not what Christianity is about. It's about victory. It's about overcoming. Jesus Christ and his spirit and his power live inside of us. So why do you continue to wrestle with the same sin year and year out, year in and year out? Maybe it's because we've rebranded ourselves and not actually been made brand new. Ever think about that? Let me ask you a question. Are you new? Are you new? I mean, when you met Jesus, are your desires different? Are your passions different? Are your thoughts different? Are your ambitions different? Is Christ the center of all that you say and do? Is Jesus your master? Do you, do you live according to his will? Our flesh kicks against this idea. Do you know why? Because our flesh, its master is sin. It doesn't want to be subservient to Jesus. Maybe the reason you're not experiencing the power of Jesus in your life is because the spirit of Jesus is not living in you. That's a tough truth and that's a hard truth, but it's a truth or it's a question that Paul asks consistently through Romans. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Have you surrendered to Jesus? Are you living for him? Are you a slave to Christ? See, my fear is that many of us have just rebranded ourselves. We've rebranded ourselves. We're not brand new. We're rebranded. 
We put on church clothes. We, we sing Christian songs. We, we're a good moral per person. We don't watch those movies. We don't listen to that music. We don't go to those places. That's all rebranding. That's nothing brand new. Are you brand new? See, it's not enough to be a good and moral person. Good and moral people die every day and enter into eternity separated from Jesus. In fact, Scripture tells us that someday good and moral people will stand before Jesus and he'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, you lawless people. And they'll say, wait, 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 wait. You know, I prayed in your name. I, I did many works in your name. Jesus said, I don't even know who you are. How is that possible? It's because they were rebranded, not made brand new. They never truly surrendered and entered into a life of slavery for Christ. That day that I went to Wendy's and I began eating my not new fries and drinking my not new coffee, I realized something. Despite all the fancy packaging and the Wonderful atmosphere, the fireplace off to my left, um, the new construction. I, I lost my appetite. I didn't want to eat this food that was in front of me. I lost my appetite because there's nothing worse than thinking something is new and finding out it's just the same old thing, just rebranded. In fact, Jesus said something very similar in the book of Revelation. He says, because you're neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Speaking to the church. Are you rebranded or have you been made brand new? Thank you for listening to this message from Not I, But Christ, a Covenant Church. We hope you've been impacted by what you've heard today. Visit us online at covenantchurch.us where you can invest in life change through giving or find more impactful sermon audio just like this.